Hello and welcome to Ias Gablan, a bi-weekly podcast from four Latinx daughters. Welcome back to another mini-sode of the Ias Gablan podcast. I'm Maria Jose, one of the usual hosts, but today we have a very special guest. Hi, it's Heidi. Hi. <laughs> I'm a Latina creator and Latina entrepreneur. Mm, we love the the shmoney, the added the I'm an entrepreneur too. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a new title I just added to my resume. I like hey, it. <laughs> I love that. Um, and I sort of like, I came across your video when you were talking sort of about you moving to Mexico. And so that's sort of where I met you. Sort of, if you want to talk a little bit about what got you to to there. Why moving to Mexico? Why is such yeah. a big It's been a journey for sure. And moving to Mexico has actually been on my mind for about 10 years now. It wasn't like a spontaneous decision. I feel like I just never truly felt ready or things didn't align for me to make the move. Um, before all of this happened, I started picking up an audience from my day in the life of a Latina working in tech without a degree. And I felt like that resonated with a lot of people because as first-gen Latinas, sometimes the opportunity is not there. So the fact that I was able to make it into an industry where so many people say it's so hard to get into and that you need a degree and you know all these requirements and I was kind of able to break all those barriers I feel like it was very inspiring for people to see um, however when all of that started happening for me I was already at a point in my career where I didn't want to be there anymore so at the same time I feel like I was being fake to the people that were watching me because I was recommending an industry and don't get me wrong. I loved my job and I still recommend it to everyone because it completely changed my life and the way that I viewed like the hustle mentality, but um, I just wasn't there anymore. So I would just try to kind of like share the good parts of it and try to keep my negativity that was already there, like out of it. Um, and now with the pandemic, I know a lot of people went through a lot of hardships, but for me, it was the best time of my life. And I feel in a, in a way so guilty to say that because so many bad things happened during that time period. But for me, having spent my time in Mexico and being with my friends and my family really solidified the fact that I was like, this is what I want. I want to move here and everything aligned for me. And here I am today. I love that. <laughs> I love to hear that sort of, because you said that and I was just like, wait, that was you. I was like, that was yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like me. I would see those the day in the life of like a Latina in tech with like no degree. So I'm like, I remember these. Let me go back and yeah. like scroll more to the bottom. Um, yeah, I was, it was my time when I was like, a little bit more shy so I didn't really show my face through all of that I kind of just really showed like my point of view what the office looked like like what we were doing and I very recently started to actually like show who I am so yeah that's probably why <laughs> I love it so thinking about maybe starting off in tech right because that was one of the things that I wrote down, I was like, oop, these are the things I want to talk about. And tech was mm -hmm. one of them, right? And I feel that, like, now it makes even more sense. I was just, because I would see, I saw that, like, I did a little lurk, but not too much. I didn't squirrel too much. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's why I didn't see them again. Um, but this, the tech field, 
Right. So like you shared that you started to get, um, you started not to like it as much. There was some negativity associated with what you were doing. So if you want to share a little bit more of your experiences and why you ended up not liking where you were anymore. Yeah. So I feel like, um, the only reason that I didn't fully succeed in that business was my own personal reason. Um, the opportunity was there, the resources were there, my managers were pushing me, you know, to do better, to be better. I had a great network and I applied to multiple roles and, you know, there was still some work that had to be done. So I obviously didn't get them. I feel like the reason that I was very discouraged was because I had seen this whole other side of living life that I was never exposed to. The job itself was wonderful and I have nothing but great things to say about the company and the people that I work with. It's just the fact that I had finally experienced what a soft life was and like an easy life. And I had like that really woke me up to the fact that I had been trapped in a hustle culture in like a very workaholic mentality. And I mean, I've had most of my life that I've worked, I've actually had two jobs, like one full-time, one part-time. And then I was going to college for a little bit. Obviously I didn't get to my degree, but you know, I've just worked so much in the short life that I've lived that when I was in Mexico and I saw just how relaxing your life can be, I was like, okay, like I want this. This is what I'm craving now. Feel that like of course like on TikTok there's all this discourse that happens, right? There's all these mm-hmm. conversations that different creators right but especially like latina creators are having but i feel like we don't have that conversation on because i feel that like these this idea of a soft life didn't Mm -hmm. enter my vocabulary until very very recently and i feel that it's a conversation that we don't really have um so maybe for our listeners if you want to tell us a little bit more of what you consider to be the soft life right because I feel that yeah. like that's maybe where we need to start because it's like such a not like an alien conversation I don't think that's a hard mm-hmm. like a the right word it's a, I but think like, it's the the most latest barrier that we've broken with generational trauma or whatever because mm-hmm. you know I think our parents ingrained into our head a lot like tienes que trabajar duro tienes que echarle yeah. ganas like you know like tú puedes mija like you know it's always been such encouraging words that you never see it as negativity and I think where we really trap ourselves in that mentality is when you decide to relax they don't see it as relaxing they see it as being huevona like, levántate no seas huevona. And, you know, like, I feel like that didn't permit us to learn how to relax. So for me, seeing the soft life in Mexico, and, like, don't get me wrong, I feel like the life out there is the same here depending on how much you want what you want, like, your desires. Um, But I think the soft life for me was the fact that everything was in such close proximity that I had the freedom of my during my hour of lunch, I could go to La Tiendita, I could go to La Plaza, I could sometimes stop by my grandparents. And I think it also was the fact that I would see, there's like a, a, a saying that goes with this. Um, I, I don't have it nailed out 100%, but I think it goes like, in Estados Unidos, vives para trabajar y en México trabajas para vivir. Yeah, so I with everything that's going on in the economy too, like 
I was starting to struggle here because my wages were not aligning with the inflation. So I was like, if I'm going to struggle here in the U.S., I prefer to struggle out there, you know? So I think it's, a, it's even though they're both struggles, they're very different in their own way. For you, right, thinking about or adding more to this conversation of the hustle culture, right? Because I feel that, like, when I go to Mexico, like, that saying is very present, like, mm-hmm. but it also feels that, like, and I don't know, like, it's it's very different, at least when I think about my family. Like, my parents are undocumented, so the coming back and forth is something that, you know, they can't do. Um, But when I go to Mexico, like, everybody, todos comen. And my, my grandparents are like, aunque sea frijoles, pero comemos, right? And, like, I'm like, okay, so we're we're having food, we, we are clothed, we are sheltered, like, we have, like, shelter, whatever, and it's yeah. such a, like, not that it's an easy life, right? But it seems that, like, everybody is just so content. Like, everybody's mm-hmm. just, like... Happy with okay. what they have. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's just, like, to me, that that is related to that softness, right? I feel yes. like hustle culture always wants us to have more so that we can work harder. And I don't yeah. know, yeah, what what you think, yeah. I actually think that the... one of the reasons that we are so stuck in this hustle mentality is because this country is huge with advertisements and consumers and just throwing advertisements left and right and TikTok influencing people to get things and wanting, wanting to get the most viral thing. And I realized that, you know, when I was in Mexico, that a lot of the little luxuries that I found normal here in the U.S., like, for example, having an espresso machine, which is seems to be like a common item in every household now, is a luxury out there. So I was like, why am I so materialistic? And like, I didn't even realize that I was that way until I lived in Mexico. So I was like, OK, well, I have to detach myself from that being that way because if I keep wanting things I'm going to keep needing money for these things so I feel like I was going to put myself back in the cycle that I had like broken away from um and it definitely now has helped me just be more appreciative of the things that I have I have tried to keep my wardrobe to a minimum as well and part of it is because obviously I want to be smarter with my money but I think in order for you to enter into your soft life, you really have to detach yourself from being such a huge consumer. I really appreciate you saying that because I feel that that was sort of my next question, right? How do we begin to detach ourselves or begin to like, to think about like, how do we stop engaging in sort of hustle culture, which I feel that like, at least for my parents is like, it's like always working, like the the need to labor, the always mm-hmm. laboring, the que siempre andas en chinga, right? The mm-hmm. that that part of it. Like, how do we begin to be like, one, I don't want to do it anymore, but two, how do we begin to break away from it, right? I think that's a really good question, and I think it's kind of hard for me to give you an exact answer because I'm still working on that myself, but what I feel has worked a lot for me and I have a great therapist to begin with, but I think it's becoming self-aware. It's becoming aware of the toxic traits that you have, becoming aware of the habits that you've created. And, you know, I think now because I'm 
thankfully self-aware with myself, I will catch myself scrolling and being so easily influenced with everything that I'm seeing on my phone. And, but then like, I'm, I always question myself, do I really need that? Like, do I have something that can replace that need? So I think overall just becoming self-aware, but getting there is so hard. It's been so hard for me. And, you know, I can't tell you that I'm 100% broke away from it because I haven't, I'm still struggling with it. But, um, I think, you know, just, just asking yourself those little questions, like, do I need this? How much, how much of my time is this going to cost? I feel like one of the biggest quotes that impacted me, like, um, is like, it was like a picture that said like, you're going to buy a $60 shirt, but you're getting paid this much per hour. So how many hours is that shirt going to cost you? So I feel like that really impacted me and helped me kind of um, break away from it a little bit. And it's hard, right? Like you said sort of earlier, how ever since you can remember you were working or when you started working, right? You started mm-hmm. working two jobs, right? Yeah where and we've already touched on it a little bit but just to sort of begin to sort of where do we see or begin begin to believe in hustle culture right like where do we where do we get it from um and you we've already Um, there's already like a we've already touched uh on it a little bit but I felt that it's it's also important Uh conversation to have like sort of like where do we see it where do we get it how do we begin to believe it you know yeah in my opinion this starts such an early age. And I, I I don't know what age exactly, but I, when I reflected back on this, I'm like, when was this ingrained into me? Like, why did I become this way? You know, why did I think this was normal? And it's kind of really not, you know, it's kind of weird that we work so much. Um, when I was reflecting on this, I was like, you know what, ever since I can remember, I've oh, we always get the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? during Halloween, what do you want to dress up as? And it's always something related to labor. Like, I want to dress up as a doctor. I want to be this. I want to be that. Like, I don't think I've ever heard a little kid say, I want to be happy or I want to travel, you know, like it's always a profession. So the fact that it's so normal for us to kind of ask that question to little children or dress them up as like whatever they want to be when they grow up, I feel like that's when it slowly starts creeping into our brains. And then it gets a lot worse when I think junior year of high school is when it really hit me. And I felt the pressure of having to do good on my SAT and the ACT and all of that, because it was like, if you don't go to college, you're not going to succeed. If if you don't have a good job, you know, like you're not going to be able to make it. And one of the things that I felt hit me so hard was the fact that I wasn't able to go to a university. I wasn't able to complete my degree. So there was like a big guilt in me where I was like, I'm not going to make it like, I'm not going to do anything good with my life because I didn't get my degree. And, um, I feel like that's where I kind of really had to separate it. And thankfully, like all these good things have been happening in my life where I was just like, you know, even though I hate the hustle culture, I do have to be grateful for it because I, it's, I'm here because of it. That's such an important conversation to have, right? I'm yeah. I'm somebody who worked sort of in an area of a college that was putting, I feel like now that you said that, I feel like I'm just like, no, like my job was literally the people that were part of that indoctrination, right? Of yeah. making students believe that success only looked success, like success was only 
happening or attainable you know if we went to school if we went to college if we were part of these professions like the doctors the lawyers right so it was that step sort of like you mentioned your junior year because we were like helping students with the ACT the SAT right Mm -hmm. they would come to the university like on Saturdays mind you on the days that they should be resting right or doing other things and it's just like you're right to say that I feel that that's a big part right um and it's just like why is like our purpose in life always tied to labor right to an occupation um because you're not you're not asking kids like what makes you happy which would be a better question right where like you said like it's always labor related and I feel that like I'm I feel like what you said really spoke to me in this moment, if Mm -hmm. I'm being very open, because I'm a master's student. So I've already done Mm -hmm. four years of school and I'm doing another two. And I'm currently applying. Thank you. I'm like, thank (laughs) you. This is part of my crisis, though. And I'm applying to do another four to five years for my doctorate. And so I'm just like, why is it that I always want to be doing labor in this way? Like, why can't like, why do I want to? continue to do the work go to school have all this stress right Mm -hmm. um like why is it that I want to keep doing that and for me my Mm -hmm. hustle culture was always like school my parents were just like we came to this country for you to get an education so I was just like well dang then if you made such a big sacrifice to leave everything at home um Like, how dare I not do as much as I can, right? And so for me, I feel that the other part of hustle culture has been that idea of, like, the American dream, right? You have to be as successful as you can because that's the only way that you'll have the American dream, whatever it is, because girl, I still, I still don't know. I still don't know what that (laughs) dream means. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know what it looks like anymore, to be honest. Yeah. And it's hard, you know? Yeah. I mean, first of all, congratulations. The fact that you are going for your doctor is a huge, huge thing, especially for Latinas. You know, you are representing and the percentage of Latinas that get a doctorate is so small. So I want to congratulate you for that. Um, I feel like where it hit me the most, um, because especially on TikTok, sharing um, being a, a Latina in tech without a degree, I feel like there was a lot of people congratulating me for being where I am. And then there was a lot of people that were like, how I have a degree. I wasn't able to break in. How did you do it? There was a little bit of bitterness there. Um, And one of my thing was that I never wanted to promote or I never wanted to send a message to the young viewers that I had that they could drop out or that they didn't need it because even though I was there and I was grateful for being in that role, I did share with them that having a degree was going to help them get in a much better spot than when I entered. I had an entry level role in the tech industry, so I wasn't getting paid as much as someone with a degree was getting into, you know, like there was still that huge gap between both roles. So I still think it's super, super important that if you have the opportunity, get your degree, work for it. Um, But then there's also the good side of if you don't have it, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. You know, like work on your experience, set a goal for yourself, 
what does that goal look like and what can you do beforehand to achieve it and to make it easier for you i think one of the things that helped me the most was just being very strategic with the roles that i was accepting so i was in customer service i was a service administrator i was in a call center and all of that all of that experience helped me get to where i got you know in the tech industry so um they're both equally important. You just have to be very strategic about what it is that you want. Maybe moving a little bit more along to your decision. Well, you said that you were working in tech, you were able to work from home. So you decided to do that in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So how was that like, right? Because that led you to now your current, you know, um, what are, I don't know what to call it. I don't know what the word is, but you're open, you wanting to open up your coffee shop, right? And moving to yeah. Mexico for full time. Like, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about that. So being in Mexico during the pandemic was actually an accident in a way. Um, I already had my flight for the day, the exact day that the um, quarantine started. So I was, I had my luggage, I got to work because I was going to go directly to the airport after work. And my manager was like, they're about to implement a quarantine. We're not, we're going to be working from home for two weeks. And I know you're leaving to Mexico today. Take your computer with you. Cause I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know if they're going to let you back into the country, just be prepared and be ready. So I was like, Oh snap, like, okay, it's this serious. Okay. So then I, I bought another luggage. I packed for about a month. Uh, I took my laptop and sure enough, they just kept extending it and extending it. You know, we, we know the whole deal of how the whole thing started. So what was supposed to be two weeks and then a month turned into two years. And I kid you not, I probably let seven plane tickets go to waste because they just kept telling me like, okay, we're finally going to go back. And then I would buy the plane ticket and then they're like, oh no, we can't, it's extended. So, and you know, there was like this whole ordeal with like getting a refund and you know, all of this stuff. So there was a lot of money that went to waste in plane tickets. And I finally gave up and I was like, okay, until it's for sure, I'm not gonna buy a plane ticket till like the day before. Um, so yeah, it was all kind of, the universe put me there. I don't know. I, I'm just a big believer that, you know, everything works out the way the universe wants you to. I'm, I'm a big believer in manifestation. Um, it's been working for me a lot. And my, my middle sister, actually, it's funny. She tells me, she was like, you must have done something right in your past life because everything always aligns for you. And, you know, I, I, it's, I'm just so grateful for everything that has happened to me because either whether it's been good or bad, I think I'm, I just always try to take the positive out of every situation. And while I was in Mexico, my hustle mentality took over me a little bit and I was working my full-time job. And then in the evenings, I didn't really have anything to do. So I was like, okay, like I could be doing something better with my time. And I actually opened a business up there. So I had like a brunch spot. I don't really know what the concept really turned out to be because I had to adjust it depending on where we were with the pandemic. But I, I had already opened a business. It was doing really good. And when I decided, when we had to come back to the US, I decided to close it because I knew that no one was going to nurture it or take care of it the way that I would because it was my business. And I was like, 
even though it pains me to let go of this project, I know that there will be another time where I will be able to come back and set something with a much better foundation. And so you closed your business, you moved back Mm -hmm. to the United States for work. Yes. And And then then my parents got into an accident. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was, that was the most traumatic thing that I have ever experienced. I don't wish it upon anyone, but that's when I, you know, I, my parents had already moved to live in Mexico. They had already been there since maybe like a year. Yeah, it was probably, they were, they were probably already out there for a year. Not once did it cross my mind that I might, I would have to prepare myself for an emergency situation. I don't know why I thought that, you know, like, I don't know, them being hospitalized or just having issues were just going to come much later in life. So when I got the call that both of my parents were in an accident and were both in critical condition and I had my sisters here with me in the U.S., I was like, oh, damn, like, what do I do? So that really helped me also like decide, like, you know what, I would rather be close to my parents than have to be here. And I know that in one of your videos, you said that like moving to Mexico also wasn't just like, yeah, let's go. Right. That it was also maybe something that you were thinking about and you were preparing for maybe not directly being like we have to move within the next like today tomorrow we have to leave right now because of your parents mm-hmm. but tell us a little bit about what led like what did that decision look like right you were like yes we're gonna move back but what did it look like to actually be like yeah I'm gonna be in Mexico full-time so I feel like it was forced upon me, honestly, the way that it all worked out. Um, like I said, I'm a big believer, but uh, like the universe puts you where you need to be. And I wasn't ready. I had set a goal to move to Mexico around, I think the summer of this year. Yeah, I was like, I was starting to save up money. I didn't have a lot of saved up money. And then um, with all of this that happened with me kind of getting laid off from my job um, and not having a lot of money. Thankfully, like the severance pay was able to like help me fund my coffee shop. But if it hadn't been for all that, I would still actually be working here and trying to save up money to move. So I think it, it just kind of really made my plans happen a lot faster, but it, that wasn't what I had planned. It's just like, the opportunity presented itself in a different way and I just took the opportunity. I it's weird how we set our goals and then life happens and you're like, oh, we have mm-hmm. to readjust these. But it yeah. seems like you were still very well prepared or it seems like, right? It, that you were prepared mm-hmm. to sort of make those shifts, right? You already had a business, so you already knew how mm-hmm. that was gonna work out, right? Mm-hmm. Your job situation ended up working out. So mm-hmm. you moved to Mexico. Why a coffee shop? Why is out of all the things I feel not that there's a lot of things but like you know you could show so many things go back to your diner your brunch spot that you had right Mm -hmm. why a cafecito shop um I analyzed what was missing from Mexico while I was out there I am very good at spotting opportunities and one of the things that I would constantly hear from my friends in Mexico from the friends that I had that live out here in the U.S. but would visit in Mexico like um so I have like a a lot of people that I know from the U.S. that we would link up or we would only see each other cuando se venían las fiestas del pueblo. And one common thing that I would hear all the time would be, 
I miss my iced coffee. I miss my iced coffee in the morning. They don't sell good iced coffee here. Why do the coffee shops open so late in the evening? Like there was just this strong desire for coffee and there wasn't really a business that would cater to us. So as, a, um, I, I like to use the word pocha cause I kind of am pocha. <laughs> um, I was kind of like, okay, well, you know what? Number one, I feel like a coffee shop would allow me to romanticize my life a lot. I really like the idea of a small coffee shop. And number two, I think it's one of the things that would allow me to embed myself in the community. And that's one of the things that I am very, very excited about, just being able to be like interact a lot more with the community in my pueblito. Um, number three, I felt like it was also a good segue to open or present different topics to my town. One of the things that I want to incorporate into my coffee shop that I haven't seen any other business in my pueblito do is, and we actually see here, we, we see it here a lot. And I don't, I think maybe it's so normal that now we kind of like dismiss it, but when you go to a grocery store or wherever, you always see like those little crystal boxes asking for donations for something, whether it be a child or an organization, whatever the case may be. One of the things that I really want to start the conversation about in my town in Mexico is treating pets well. I It breaks my heart to see so many street dogs out there. So one of the things that I want to start in my coffee shop is have a little um, a little donation box for the street dogs because we have an amazing kind soul that started an animal shelter on his own and he's always asking for donations he's always needing food he's always something always comes up and you know he he also goes and helps injured dogs and he needs money for those surgeries and all that so one of the things that my goal is to do with my coffee shop is train my employees to always ask the customer if they would like to round up their money and donate donate the you know whatever it is cents or pesos or sea, for that cause um and i just kind of really want people to treat them better you know it's, it's just such a sad situation they're in and um i the most important thing for me was like get to my community serve great coffee serve good food um, and then start talking about these other issues that we have to work on. <laughs> right. I think that's like such a beautiful thing. I feel that I always want to be like, yeah, I'm going to romanticize my life. And then it's like, mm-hmm. I have like three papers due and I'm like, well, that goes out of the window now. Yeah. Cause I can no longer <laughs> do that. Right. But I think that that's so beautiful. I've thought about moving to Mexico a lot. Like mm-hmm. last year I took a, basically like a solo trip to Mexico city and I was just mm-hmm. like, wow, like I got to see all the history and I was like, this is such a such a different place to be a part of. But I also feel that one of the reasons that like I'm from a my family's from a little pueblito in Durango. So mm-hmm. like we're not even like a city. We don't we're not like the little aesthetic cities that you see. Um, but at the core of it is like community. Like everybody yeah. knows each other. Like I have people who Literally, I cannot tell you what their name is. I cannot. I'm like, they're like, oh, yo te conocía cuando eras una niña. And I'm just like, 
I'm grow- I'm 25 now. Not- definitely not that child. So I'm confused. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that um, I love seeing videos on TikTok where people make fun of the question, ¿Y tú qué, de, de qué hijo o de quién eres hijo? Because it always happens. Oh, ¿y quién es tu abuelito? ¿De quién eres nieta? Because we're from the U.S. So, you know, they don't see us often. They don't, they don't have us, like, pinned down who we are. So every time I would go meet, like, with my friends or meet new people, they would be like, Oh, ¿y cómo te apellidas? ¿De quién eres? La, ¿De qué familia eres? Or, you know, stuff like that. And it's, it's funny. But, yeah, community is huge. Like, we're there... Están ahí en las buenas y en las malas. También, there's like a saying that goes, pueblo chico, infierno grande. It's also true, you know, like everything. Mexico is a lot different when you go vacation there versus when you live there. Because I, like, not only did I experience such beautiful, amazing things while I was living there, I also got to see the ugly side of Mexico. And by ugly, I don't mean all the violent stuff that I see happening right now. Um... I think it has a lot more to do with the fact that it pained me that they are still so far behind in women's rights. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. And Mexico is hermoso, but they still have so much work to do. Right. And I also think that like, um, people are not even open to having sometimes conversations. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. like, Within my pueblo, like, um, I'm like, I don't see representation of, like, the queer community or even, Mm -hmm. like, people are still very anti-Indigenous and anti-Black, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so I'm just like, why aren't we talking about this, right? But I appreciate that you said that, like, you're not... Like, the violence is something that you're not experiencing. Because I feel that, like, Mm -hmm. when people think of Mexico, we we think of the narco state, right? How... Especially, especially with the whole thing that happened with El Chapo's son, right? Uh, yes, I feel that yes. Mexico, Mexico is always positioned with like narcotraficantes yeah. and drogas and all this shit, right? Yeah. Um, but it's just like Mexico is so much more than that, right? Like mm-hmm. when I was growing up, and I don't know if this happened to you now or before. Um, I would be like, yeah, I went to Mexico over the summer and people would be like, oh, did you meet El Chapo or something? And I'm just like, I've never (laughs) ever in my life that I've been going back and forth to Mexico. Have I ever even experienced like one? I don't even know where I would get drugs from in my hometown. Like that's that's how bad it is. You know, like so I'm just like, I've never seen that happen. (laughs) Like I've never been in like a shooting thing. Like, yeah, so that was. That would always be so much like, yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it's that's the, not the news. I get. It's the news. The news loves to focus on the negativity. And yeah, I actually get those comments on my TikTok too. Like, oh yeah, like I would never move to Mexico, like with everything that's going on. And you know what? I, I don't dismiss those comments because everyone's experience is different. Like, I'm pretty sure if you're from Zacatecas or like one of Sinaloa, like if you're living in one of those states and you probably have experienced or know of someone who went through something. So, you know, I think everyone's experience is super different. And I'm very lucky to say that my town in Mexico is very, very chill, very calm. I'm pretty sure there are things that happen, but everything's under control there. So we have not seen violence like that happen in a long time. And right now, um, our community and our town is really focusing on the tourism aspect of 
everything. I think that's like the, the number one in our forefront. Is that how you say it? <laughs> um, so yeah, they are obviously not going to want any of that to happen because they want people who visit to feel safe. Yeah, I, I'm glad that that hasn't been your experience because it can be so scary to see. Online. I know, I bet. I bet. I mean, the only things that I've seen and I've experienced myself is, you know, there's, I, I don't think a lot of people take serious um, the fact that they need to wear a helmet when they ride a motorcycle. So I've seen a lot of those accidents happen. Um, and I mean, my parents were that's what happened to them it was a motorcycle accident so i i think that that's as far as like and it's not necessarily violence but you know like that's like the most gruesome things that i've seen yeah fair and i know we're coming a little on time um and i've loved our conversation (laughs) tell us a little bit more about your coffee shop right um what are you Mm. your goals are to sort of make it be community community efforts Mm -hmm. and helping but what else like what are your goals when are you opening do we have a name is that something that you're like tell us more about that part (laughs) I'm so excited to share this part um but I'm I'm actually also still working on it because I'm still trying to analyze the community and like what will work and what wouldn't what I currently have is what I can give you I don't know if it's still going to be true by the time that I open um the opening day is going to be in May. I'm hoping for a May 1st launch. I don't even know what day of the week that falls in, but I just know I want to open in May. Because <laughs> um, part of that is because Las Fiestas del Pueblo start happening towards the end of May, beginning of June. So I want to ha- be up and ready and kind of be a lot better with my routine by that time. Um, but one of the things that as most like it's really important for me to be in the community and be involved in the community with my coffee shop so my coffee my cafecito recipes are going to be cultured like tied with the mexican culture like quiero hacer lo que es like um iced horchata like iced coffee horchata con like you know mazapan like gancito i want to um, you know, mix in those flavors with my coffee shop. Um, I'm probably also going to sell sandwiches, but I don't know the complete menu yet. (laughs) Um, and then one of the other things that I'm really proud of is in the back part of the coffee shop, I made the architect's built in like a bookcase because I want to sell therapy books for my community and I also want to (laughs) it's you know I we still have a very very machista culture in my pueblito and I know thankfully now the less muchachitas that are growing up like you know more gen z are starting to become more aware that you know being there for their man to such an extreme extent is not normal and that they are able to do things on their own. And I really want to promote that within the coffee shop. So the merch, um, this is actually something I brainstormed last night. I want to have merch and I want it to say something like, me amo, soy suficiente, soy diosa, which is the name of my coffee shop is diosa. Oh, I love <laughs> see like your romanticized coffee and that is one of my like romanticized like dreams like I want to have a bookstore that also doubles as like a art gallery space um so that's that's my vision but I love love it I love that you're being so intentional right and also like not even just intentional and like 
oh, I want to make sure that everything is tied to like what we think of like Mexican culture, right? The things that are not maybe like quote unquote political, right? The food, the flavors, right? But you're also saying like, that's not enough, right? In order for Mm -hmm. us to really be intentional in creating community and community that Mm -hmm. is not engaging with like this machista culture, right? You're like, I also want to provide something for women and everybody, right? To realize that Mm -hmm. like, there's other things that we also need to grow in, right? And I think that that's so important. And I mean, like, that's why we're here, right? That's why Ika Sonidas is here. Yes. And so I'm like, it's so beautiful to see how intentional you're moving with this, right? It's not just mm-hmm. like, a, I'm gonna make coffee and blah, blah, blah. no, like you're being very, yeah. very intentional in all parts of your brand, right? Because that's what it this coffee shop yeah. is, right? It's not just like a like it's like no come stay a while be part of this community that's like a lifestyle brand right and I'm like I love it I love it so much thank you thank you thank you yeah I think it was very important for me um to not come off as I was only trying to benefit from my community um I wanted to be like no like I want to help you and you know I think it's going to be very hard at first because right now I feel like I might be uh, I, it's kind of hard to say but like in my family I feel like they all view us as different or como malcriadas because we have such an oh like we are very um what is the word um uh, ya se me olvidó, ya se me fue el tren. El, like <laughs> okay. you know we're not, <laughs> we're what is it open-minded why was that so hard? Why was that so hard? <laughs> it's okay. It's, language is hard. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, problems with having two languages. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think I think um, they're still having issues with us being so open-minded. And um, well, no, I'll, I'll see how it goes. But thankfully, I have the support of my TikTok community and some of my friends that I have in Mexico. And, you know, I'm not going to give up. There's so much conversations to still have with my friends and everyone out there. And I just hope that more importantly, salga algo bueno de esto. I really hope that everything works out. I feel that you have a really good plan, not only for like, logistics but you have a really good vision on what you want the outcomes of this entire thing wow. to be right and I feel that you're really centering community and I'm 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 ready to see where this goes I'm gonna be I'm gonna be watching you on TikTok to make sure Thank that I don't you. miss out because this you. is such a beautiful thing right maybe a little abrupt right the reason why you had to move mm-hmm. back or make that that mm-hmm. decision so quickly but I just like it's even the way that you talk about your little coffee shop is so beautiful to see. Um, so I'm like, eh, this made me, this made me so happy. Um, and Thank usually you. we end the podcast with some recommendations. Um, oh. I don't know what recommendations you have for fellow Latinas out there. Um, well, number one, I would love for everyone that's currently listening to us to give me a follow on TikTok um, at Heidi with two E's, H-E-E-I-D-I underscore. Um, I am going to be sharing the whole journey from start to finish on how to open a coffee shop in Mexico. I would love to help out anyone who is trying to do the same. I will be super transparent with everything that I share. So I will be sharing the good and the bad. 
Um, but recommendations, I think always follow your heart. It's been working for me so much and I, nothing but good things have been happening to me ever since I started to chase my happiness. So sigue tu corazoncito, échale gana, si se puede, you know, it's, the road to success is not always good. Tienen que pasar cosas malas, but always take the lessons that you are going to get from it and puro por delante. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, uh, it's so beautiful to see. And I'll make sure to link your socials on the description of the episode. And for our viewers, y'all know what to do on our end. Make sure that you're following at Hijas Unidas podcast or at Hijas que oh not me tripping <laughs> up it's because we recently shifted our usernames so I was like wait that's not what oh. it is um but at Hijas que hablan podcast everywhere um but yeah. thank you for my guest thank you for being here thank you so it. much for having me this is like another thing crossed off my bucket list so yes. I'm super excited to have been here muchas gracias por tenerme Oh, I love it. Thank you for being here. And everybody, till next time. Bye. Bye.